know you've talked a couple of times about this government that we have. Um, if you if you were uh, president, what would you do, man? What What do you think we need to do to this country to put it on the right track in the right direction? Man, that's a that's a that's a tough question to um, to answer because I think you know if I if I knew the answers, I, I definitely would have been you know running for president or something like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we speak to Brooklyn Nets forward Wilson Chandler. I'm very excited about that. Benton Harbor's own. Also, I've got some choice words about Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp and him shining amid the coronavirus. I've also got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down awards and more. But first, Wilson Chandler. Well, first, I mean, at first I wanted to ask you just how are you doing? Because, I mean, I, I was reading some articles that you had drama with your building manager, questions about yeah. whether you'd return to Michigan or stay in Brooklyn. Uh, what's going on? I mean, I remember I'm still in the building. It's all good. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the actual people who work in the building. We got a great relationship. Uh, we all cool. We talk to them every day. Uh, it was the actual people who run the building. Got you. And what what went into your mind? I know you you really wrestled with that question about whether to return to Michigan or stay in Brooklyn. What what went through your mind with that? It was you know uh, you know because you know everybody had an opinion on this like what we kind of deal with with social media nowadays. Uh, it wasn't like people try to make it a rich poor thing or a black white thing. It it wasn't neither. You know what I mean? Um, I feel just as bad as everyone else that everyone can get tested or everyone doesn't have the resources to get tested or can't go out and get the supplies they need because people hoard and stuff. Um, I feel just as bad as, you know, for the homeless and the people that's in prison. It had nothing to do with um, having money and being a sport, basketball players, how you treat people and um, just being respectful, even if it's a crisis. Right. And, and you have family in Michigan, but you were concerned about, you know, yeah, so that's the that's the reason why. Too, right? Yeah, that's the reason why I didn't go home. Because when I go home, I usually stay with my grandmother, um, and she's older. And from my knowledge, all the most of the people who have had problems with um uh, with this virus, you know, have been older people who have weaker um, immune system. And she's 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 been ill for a while. Um, nothing crazy, but she's had cancer before. She beat that. Now she right. has like um. You know, the normal illnesses like people have when they get older, she's 87. So um, that was my biggest thing, uh, not putting her in danger. And um, I know a lot of kids haven't had contact with the virus, but still putting my kids in uh, danger also. Uh, so that's the reason why I just stayed here, just, you know, um, just to be sure. And what what are you doing to uh, deal with what a lot of people are dealing with right now, which is getting a little stir-crazy? Being up, uh, social distancing and the like. How are how are you how are you managing it? Um, I'm just doubling down on the um, first of all, just doubling down on like just my beliefs and my faith and just myself. Um, trying not to overthink it. Trying not to panic. You know, um, to be honest, um, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. Um, I just you know, it just it's something weird about this whole situation. So I'm not trying to overreact um, like everyone else. Not everyone, but like. Some people are. And mm-hmm. um, other than that, just, you know, um, 
I'm in the process of writing a book, actually, so just doing stuff for that, uh, writing, doing um, grammar and spelling checks for that, writing new stuff, uh, journaling, uh, uh, reading reading a little bit of other people's stuff uh, just for inspiration, um, watching movies, <laughs> uh, playing a video game with my daughter, uh, stuff like that, and the team has been sending, like, uh, in-home workouts, so just trying to keep up with uh, a little bit of stuff like that. Ah, well, um, I did a book with uh, Michael Bennett in the NFL called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. I highly recommend it. I, 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 I have that book. I haven't read it yet, but I have it. <laughs> I have it. Um, I actually, I have, I'm looking at it right now, actually, it's in, uh, on my bookcase. And um, I'm not sure it's because I'm not a big football watcher, and I um, and I know it's two it's two brothers, but I, I live in a yep. building with one last year in Philly, and that's the one who wrote the book, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's Michael. He lived in, yeah, in Philly. I, I, I visited him a couple times out there. Yeah, I met him a few times because um, we lived in the same building, so him and his wife and his kids were there, and I had a couple conversations with him, um, and I didn't realize he was the one who wrote the book until after I left the building. I, I kind of regret, because he, uh, he invited me to dinner one time, and we just never kind of caught up. Um, I, re- I highly regret that because we never uh, exchanged info. Um, but yeah, he was a he was a great uh, guy. You know, every time we seen each other, he was super nice. You know, and I didn't even realize oh, that he wrote. Yeah, wrote that book. I bought it after I left the building. I haven't got. I need to start reading it. Once I'm done with the comic books I read now, I'm start reading. It. I heard it's really good though. Everybody that I know that knows him always speaks highly of him and speaks highly of the book too. Well, I'll tell you this. When we get through this, I'll send you his info if you want to catch up with him or talk to him about the process of putting it together or anything like that. So okay. happy to pass that along to you. Yeah, for sure. Thank and, you. And I thought I read that you were into meditation, too, as a way to get through this. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, double down on that. I haven't uh, been consistent as, as much lately, um, but since this process is kind of like, you know, uh, not really forced me, but just made me think like, damn, I'm like, I need to really get back into this because that's when I'm, you know, um, most peaceful um, when I'm doing that and I'm, I'm alone. It's crazy because I spend a lot of time alone and then, like, once this hit and it's like, I just text my friend the other day, like, what am I doing that, I'm, that I wasn't doing, like, a couple weeks ago? I was in the house. I was doing stuff by myself. Mm. I think it's the fact that people don't want you to go outside and uh, want you to be in the house, you know, but... I'm actually doing stuff that I was doing before this actually happened. It's just kind of weird, like when people like, "Oh, the restaurants are shut down." This and that. even if you want to go outside, like where are you gonna go? There's nothing to open really. You go outside, get fresh air is always a good thing, though. Yeah, how's the how's the team doing? I mean, the Brooklyn Nets have been in the eye of the storm. Are, are people still in yeah. contact with each other? Yeah, um, we have a. We, we 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 talk. Uh, everybody's in good spirits. Um, there's nothing, um, you know. I don't know what the outside world views it as, or what they think guys are doing and how they should be feeling. But uh, everybody's in good spirits. Um, nothing crazy. Um, everybody's just enjoying. Um, you know, taking a, a negative turn to a positive. Enjoying time with family. Um, doing stuff they probably didn't have time doing during the season because the you know, season is uh, kind of loose on with time. Now, I know that um, I, I, we've all got one of the things we've all got time to is to do some reading. Is, yeah. is there a book that you're into right now? I, I know I read about one particular book, but uh, that you were reading. But is there 
what what are you reading these days? Yeah, it's a few. Um, I'm, it's probably the one um, sold that brother, the Prison Letters of yeah. Jackson. Um, that's probably my favorite book right now, just because you know I'm a big Malcolm X fan, and um, and I also come from a background like you know um, I was um, like born in that whole that that um, war on drugs era. I was born in '87, and uh, I had a you know uh, uncles, my father friends and uh, other older family members that you know uh, went through a lot of stuff with that um so just from being a Malcolm X fan and him being a self-taught uh person when he went to prison and uh, having family members and stuff like that go to prison um I kind of like resonated with his book and uh I, I think he was a great mind and you know uh, even though you know he did he did some stuff to, uh, to put himself there but he changed his life around and he uh educated himself I like a lot of his ideology. Um, mm. Also, uh, I'm a big fan of Ta-Nehisi Coates. And um, I read Between the World and Me um, before, previously, last year. Um, and it was really good just because, I mean, like, it was similar. Like, we all grew up like that or similar ways. And just the way he wrote and he writes very well. And he, and he made it like, easy to read. Um, so being a fan of that, I uh, bought a couple of his other books. So I just started The Water Dance not too long ago. And that's mm. pretty much about, um, a son of a slave. And, well, a slave had um, sex with you know, um, one of the slave owners, and he was born and uh, pretty much um, groomed this kid to, uh, to being um, like a house Negro or whatever, you know, uh, so he could take care of his his brother, it was half brother or whatever. I haven't got I haven't got too far into it right now, so I don't know uh, where it was. And then um, I went back to to the, um, the Alchemist, which is really good at times. Mm-hmm. I feel like when when you're feeling down or um, confused or uh, not really double down on your faith, I think that's a really good book to read. Just you know, just to uh, be optimistic. Are you, do you think everybody, you know, especially because we're kind of shut in right now, do you think everybody should read Soledad Brother right now? Um, I wouldn't say I think everybody should read it. I mean, I, I definitely recommend it, um, especially if you're into, like, um, politics, if you're into um, government, if you're into uh, the whole civil rights era, Jim Crow stuff, if, if you... Um, has any doubts about the government or if you uh, into history, I, I would recommend it. But I, I just recommend reading something uh, that you're into in general just to, you know, um, maybe, you know, uh, enlighten yourself or just further your knowledge on something or something you never read. I, I, I definitely advise some people to read something for sure. Um, but I would definitely recommend so that, but it's one of the best books I've read. Now, you're obviously a, a, a very political person, and I wanted to talk to you way before this corona broke out because, sure. you know, I was looking at your Twitter feed and saw, like, wow, this is a really conscious person right here. Where, 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 where does that come from for you? Does that come from family? Does that come from college? Does it come from a book you read? Where, where does your politicization start? Um, I, to, to be honest, I'm not even political. I just believe, like, and like uh, right and wrong, and you know, just got into it basically from reading. I, I wasn't a great student. Um, didn't come from family. My family's not really into politics. Um, and I actually, you know, like 
like I said, I wasn't a great student at all. I didn't. I just started reading a few years ago. Like I had to make myself read. Just I started to you know uh, change um, stuff like the way I thought and stuff I did. So I was being around more and more different people, and I used to hate being the being in these different groups and having these conversations and felt like people was like kind of like talking over my head. I didn't really understand. So it was like, damn, that's the mm-hmm. first time I really mm-hmm. felt like, man, like, so you need to like change your, like your lifestyle and the way you think and stuff like that. You know, um, before it was just like hanging out with friends, playing basketball, like not really caring about what's going on in the world. Um, so it came mostly from reading uh, and then just, you know, um, starting to look at like, the way politics is ran, how the government is ran, and just looking at different people and just seeing how like fucked up shit is really, really is basically. Mm. Did you ever have a teammate who, you know, just by talking to them, it made you feel like, all right, I've got to up my game. I need to read some more and find out what they're all about. Yeah, a few. I had a few teammates like that. I would say the first, the first one I had that really made me like think that was uh, Andre Iguodala. Uh, it's, it's crazy because we had a, uh, we was on a, I had a, I had surgery that summer that we got him. So I started playing a little bit later in season, maybe December. But I remember one time we we just played cards on the plane. Like Boo Ray like a big uh, card game amongst NBA players, and um, he wasn't playing this particular day, so he was kind of sitting in the back, like maybe like three seats back from me. But I was facing him because like. Uh, uh, like the table, like the car table, with like four chairs, so it's like four chairs like facing each other, and he was like sitting like to the left of me, but like three rows back, two or three rows back. But anyways, he was reading a, I don't know if he was reading a book like to read or if he was reading for class, because he was taking classes at the time. And um, I, before this, I never really had too many conversations with him, like it would be just mostly like about basketball and just like, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I asked him what he was reading, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he like, cause he's, he's kind of super smart and sometimes he comes off as an asshole. And, but this was an asshole remark. He's like responding. He was like, uh, oh, it's not for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know, like, what? Mm-hmm. That, really, that really made me mad. Like, I kind of like, the fuck does this guy think he is? It's like in my head. But at the same time, like, fuck, like, you right. Cause I don't even read books at all. So I don't even know. Like, you know what I mean? And um, it's crazy mm-hmm. because at, at that time, that's when I was starting to have, um, like my, I wanted to change the way I thought of my thought process. Just, uh, I think in being in Denver too, um, leaving New York, being in Denver and just having surgery, I had a lot of time on my hands um, to sit down and really, like analyze and look at my life and think, you know, think about things and how I wanted to change it. So I think at that time I was trying to, I was searching for um, uh, knowledge of self and um, just beliefs in general at that time. So, yeah. Wow, you know, you know I, we, actually, we actually became pretty cool, and we uh, we would be in the locker room a lot at the same time, after hours and before hours, and me and him used to talk a lot about just you know faith and just stuff like that all the time after after that uh, incident. Mm. Did 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 it affect um your your consciousness at all when when the NBA players started wearing like the I can't breathe shirts and speaking out on Black Lives Matter and against police brutality. What was that experience like for you seeing players step up like that? Uh it was great. Um it was great. You know, um I think that's you know something we all should uh we should do in times like that, you know, we got we got this platform and you know um 
you know, we, we're kind of like sometimes a distraction from what's going on in the real world. Um, you know, being entertainers and playing ball, you know, people love sports. You know, sometimes I think people just like are distracted by sports and by actors and by musicians and stuff like that. So I feel like any time, you know, a musician or, you know, an actor or politically correct or like standing up for the people are great. You know, we had a lot of those people, you know, uh, back then, you know, we had the Muhammad Ali, we had the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and, you know, stuff like that who, who spoke out. And, uh, you know, we went through a transition where they were those guys kind of like, you know, they got older and a lot of guys got killed and, you know, guys retired. We had a period where we didn't have, like, that many people, you know, um, doing that, that type of stuff, you know. And so to see, like, now the Kaepernick's and, like you said, the players, the basketball players, when, you know, Rock and Breeze shirts and people speaking up, you know what I mean? It's, it's definitely great to see. Mm. You know, I saw uh, on Twitter you gave props to Jamal Crawford. Yeah. What's that? What's that relation? What was that relationship like for you? And then, uh, how is he not in the league right now? Me and his relationship is super simple. Uh, we don't talk a lot. You know, uh, he helped me a lot when I uh, talked to me when I was with the Knicks. Uh, when we see each other playing against each other as uh, rivals, you know, we talk, we speak, we hug, you know, ask how family's doing, we embrace each other. But it, every now and then, like. When there's something going on, like he just sent a message, you check him. Like when the whole the Corona thing came out in the sport, they said for the next players um, had it. He was one of the first people to send me a message, you know, um, wishing me well and stuff like that. And you know, um, and it's similar to other stuff when like surgeries or you know the people hear stuff. He definitely he's one of the first people to send messages. He's he's one of the greatest, like far as personality wise and being just cool and mellow. He's like he's one of the best teammates I've had and definitely. One of the most talented you should be in the NBA. I don't care about age, none of that. Just, you know, from a standpoint of ability and like talent, you should be in the NBA. And just from the standpoint of being a great vet, you should be in the league. Just being a good locker room guy. Yeah, no doubt. Let me take, let me take a left turn with this next question because I know you've talked a couple of times about this government that we have. Um, if you, if you were, uh, President, what would you do, man? What What do you think we need to do to this country to put it on the right track in the right direction? Man, that's a that's a that's a tough question to um, to answer because I think you know if I if I knew the answers, I, I definitely would have been you know running for president or something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's it's tough to answer, you know. Um, it, it's definitely tough to answer, but you know, uh, that's a that's a great question, actually. Uh, you know, I, I think um, with the resources this country has, you know, I think a lot of shit should be, like, given, you know, um, not given to the point where, like, oh, I feel, like, entitled to this, but just, like, you know, free health care, you know, um, and I know that's a tricky uh, thing to do, and that's a uh, touchy subject. I feel like free health care, I feel like free education um, to a, a certain extent, you know, uh, both of those to a certain extent. And I feel like, you know, uh, the whole prison system is, is fucked up. You know, the the whole mm-hmm. you know, uh, criminal bill. And, uh, and you know, just being a uh, a black person and being from a, a town that's been uh, robbed of its resources and not having much there and poor education, uh, 
uh, low income, and you know, just fighting back from those that 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 whole uh, crime bill and uh, those past years, and just from the stuff that's happened to us over these few hundred years. You know, I think um, we definitely uh, been lower, like you know, in the lower class, uh, everything. So um, I definitely would try to like correct that whole thing um, with our whole reparation stuff. I definitely feel like that's something that should be taken into account. And I don't know if it's paying people. I don't know if it's how they do with our reservations and cut taxes or like something that like, I think something should be done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned about the community where you're from, uh, that's yeah. Benton Harbor, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that that's a place that's had its own uh, history of rebellions against police brutality. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it's such a small place, you know. Um, and I think you know, um, a lot of most people, well, I don't think nobody who's outside of Michigan knows where that is and or ever heard of it. And so it's like a it's like a thing you know you know type of thing. Yeah, but definitely had our uh, issues with our uh, police brutality. Um, Racism and just you know, uh, not, like I said, uh, the closing of schools and not having uh, funding to fund the schools and kids not getting good education and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, I mean, that that must have been quite an experience for you, just trying to get out of Benton Harbor and get it, get to college and play basketball. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Looking back on it, I had to have a guardian angel because I'd never. Besides basketball, I didn't really take the necessary steps to uh, maximize my way of getting out of there. You know, um, but it, it worked out through the basketball. But like, if I could do it all over again, I definitely would have, you know, uh, enlightened myself a long time ago. Yeah, it's just like the resources that are on offer for Benton Harbor, it's just it's yeah. just not there. No, it's not there. And uh, we had, we went through this situation you know, a few months ago. Them trying to close the school down. Like they closed many schools in Detroit and uh, East Flint and all these other areas. Down. Wow. Now, I, I got to ask you know, you know, people who listen to this podcast, a lot of them are shut in right now. So mm-hmm. we, we need to give them a little bit of catnip for the NBA fans right here. So oh, yeah. let me just ask you That's a couple right. more questions. What, what's the best part about playing in the NBA? If you had to isolate one thing. I mean, the best part about it is like, you know, um, competing against the best players in the world, the Kobe's, the, the Tracy McGrady, the Durant's, the, uh, the Vince Carter, the Allen Iverson's. Like, you know, it's, um, the people, like, you, you grow up, you know, watching on TV. You know, I, like, Kobe was my favorite player growing up, and being able to compete against him at the highest level was just amazing. And all, even though it never really was a competition, like, he definitely won every face up. Um, but just those, those moments, you know, are great, you know, um, and I would say I, other than that, you know, the traveling and being able to experience different cities and different uh, ways people live and what they eat, what they think, how they live, um, I think the traveling is definitely, uh, especially when we go abroad, like we go to London, we go to China and all these other places to uh, play exhibition games and, and uh, do camps and stuff like that, just to experience different cultures, I think being able to go travel around the world and see things, uh, you know, it's mm. underrated. What's the worst part about playing in the NBA? If there's one thing you could change. 
the worst thing is also one of the best things is traveling. You know, you travel a lot, you play a lot of games, so you know, just like you don't get like the normal sleep patterns and um, you know, uh, rest. You know, it's a lot on your body, but you know, you know, you take the uh, you take the bad with the good. Like the best thing, like I said, one of the best things is the traveling, being able to experience different cultures, but also the traveling because you know, traveling and also playing and working out and stuff like that is good for the body, but. You know, uh, I wouldn't change it for sure. You know, a, a lot of people have talked in the last couple of months about their Kobe memories. What, yeah. what, if you have one Kobe memory, what is it? Whether in game, out of game, on the court, off the court, what's your most uh, pungent Kobe memory? Oh, uh, man, mine is probably one of the top, if you ask people, one of their top three Kobe moments. I was actually on the, the Knicks team when he scored a 61 in the garden. And I had to guard him most of the game, so I was in that moment for sure. <laughs> that was like games were normally like two, two and a half hours. <laughs> that game seemed like it was a day long. Like it was like it was never going to end. <laughs> Sixty-one in the garden, unbelievable. And so you would yeah, put Kobe if someone asked you, like if you're you're known for your defense, and so if someone asked you who are the toughest players you've ever had to guard, Kobe would be on the top of that list. Yeah, for sure. Kobe, um, Durant, and um, I would say Paul Pierce. No, yeah, it'd be a top. <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. So many good players out there. The top between uh, Kobe, I mean uh, Paul Pierce and uh, Carmelo Anthony, all of that, all those guys. But you got so many other guys that's tough to guard. Also, so if I would say those those guys, nice. And, you know, everybody who comes on the show, I always ask them, like, what music they're listening to these days, uh, particularly now with this coronavirus. I mean, is music yeah. playing a role in keeping your, your mental on point as we go through this day by day? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I would say um, I'm listening to the J Electronica and Jay-Z album um, out of the most, like, recent album. Uh, I'm still listening to Nipsey's uh, last album, um, and then, other than that, I'm a '90s baby. I grew up in I grew up with my grandparents, and uh, they had 11 kids, so I grew up in the house like a lot of older music. So I listen to a lot of '90s, '80s, '70s music. So um, listen to a lot nice. of old time. Uh, listen to a lot of uh, '90s R&B, a lot of '90s rap. Uh, so yeah. And I, I gotta ask you, T, because one last thing: if you, you played in the Chinese Basketball Association. Yes, sir. Um, and I guess I ask you what that experience was like, especially right now, because, you know, Donald Trump is trying to whip up all this anti-Asian racism in this yeah. country. Yeah. And I just want to know, like, how your experience playing in China uh, has you reflecting on what Trump is trying to whip up right now. Um, when I was there, it was, a, you know, um, it was a great experience. The way totally different culture, um, but it was a great experience. I got to see Great Wall, got to see the Forbidden City. Um, you know, um, wow. I, I traveled with the team, so, you know, um, we hung out, we ate together, you know, uh, partied together, played together. So um, I got to uh, see firsthand uh, what, the, uh, what the Chinese culture was about, you know, uh, very prideful people, hardworking people. Uh, so I, I can see, like, how these times are tough, you know, with the whole coronavirus and the whole uh, – trade wars and stuff with Trump, you know, um, <laughs> but it is crazy because like, nobody likes him here either. Well, I mean, somebody obviously likes me as president, but you know what I mean. Uh, so, you know, I can, 
I know it's tough, you know, especially with so many major cities and mid-major cities having a big Asian population, you know, being so crucial to the uh, to the American uh, to the American people and our, our economics over here, and just you know, um, yeah, I definitely uh, feel bad for them, just you know, being of uh, black descent and how you know we were treated, you know, uh, in America, and just you know, mm. so I definitely, I definitely feel bad, you know. Um, because it shouldn't come to this, you know, um, being, you know, uh, making remarks, you know, calling the, what the China virus or whatever. Yeah, like, that's just like, that's just like ignorant, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And if you, if you could say one thing to Donald Trump, what would it be? I mean, I, to be honest, you know, I don't, I don't, I have to take him serious, but at the same time, I don't take him serious. It's like, before this, he was like, he was entertaining. And, you know, I learned, you know, a long time ago, I shouldn't be learning and I shouldn't be taking entertaining seriously unless they're doing, like, some positive shit. And um, he, I, I just feel like, you know, he's a, he's a distraction from, like, us coming together as people, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like tearing the country apart. Uh, so I, mm. I mean, I really don't even have nothing to say to him, to be honest. Well, I, just, you know, I just wish he was out of office. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't, like, the whole impeachment shit that didn't work. That's not gonna work. You know, and the reality is he has a chance to win again. So I mean, we just need to get him the fuck out of office. Exactly. Hey, Wilson Chandler, I really do appreciate the time. Thank you so much. No, for sure. I appreciate you, man. Hope uh, you and the yeah. family and uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Yeah, and if you need any help, let me know. Let me know. Okay, for sure. All right, be well. I appreciate it. Peace. Peace. That was Wilson Chandler, everybody. We'll be back right after this word from The Nation magazine. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you got to read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Thank you so much, Wilson Chandler. I've now got some words about the sports world, which hasn't exactly bathed themselves in glory since the onset of our friendly neighborhood pandemic. Several sports had to be dragged kicking and screaming toward cancellation. The NFL, to great criticism, kept free agency open and on schedule, which led to finger-pointing between the league and the union. I, for one, welcome the distraction. Then you had NASCAR and Ultimate Fighting, which were very late to see the writing on the wall and the International Olympic Committee is still denying the reality in front of their faces. Now, the NBA has also received their share of scorn, as several teams have jumped to the front of the line for COVID-19 testing, even though most of the players tested were not showing symptoms. It was a demonstration of one set of laws for the rich and famous, another for us proles. Although it certainly hasn't been just the NBA jumping to the head of the damn line, As black public figures, they are far easier scapegoats than your typical line-skipping CEO. 
Two teams, to my knowledge, the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans, have actually refused team-wide testing, saying that people such as first responders should get first crack. As Andrew Lopez of ESPN tweeted of the Pellies, team's full traveling party has not shown symptoms and team is committed to not having anyone tested in order to allow those who truly need tests to get them first. This is great, but one can't help but feel that this should be the bare minimum. But if there's one person throughout the sports world who deserves a tip of the hat, it's the manager of the Liverpool football club, Jurgen Klopp. You've probably seen clips of Klopp being the person who yelled at coronavirus careless fans on March 11th as they were reaching for high fives. Put your hands away, you fucking idiots. On March 4th, he was asked about the coronavirus and said, What I don't like in life is that a very serious thing, a football manager's opinion, is important. We have to speak about things in the right manner, not people with no knowledge like me talking about something. People with knowledge will talk about it and tell people to do this, do that, and everything will be fine or not. Not football managers. I don't understand that. But above all else has been a statement issued by Klopp this week to Liverpool fans. It's beautiful and deserves to be read in full. Before taking it in, please understand that there may not be more loyal supporters on God's green earth than the Scousers who live and breathe for Liverpool. And they were on a toboggan ride towards their first title in 30 years. The disruption of the season has caused some as much psychological turmoil as the virus itself. Also, please understand that the last line, You Will Never Walk Alone, is a reference to the song that Liverpool's supporters sing before every match. The ritual is the most iconic melding of soccer and verse in the world. Printed in full, here is Klopp's statement. I don't think this is a moment where the thoughts of a football manager should be important, but I understand for our supporters they will want to hear from the team, and I will front that. First and foremost, all of us will have to do whatever we can to protect one another. In society, I mean. This should be the case all the time in life, but in this moment I think it matters more than ever. I've said before that football always seems the most important of the least important things. Today football and football matches really aren't important at all. Of course we don't want to play in front of an empty stadium, and we don't want games or competitions suspended. But if doing so helps one individual stay healthy, just one, we do it, no questions asked. If it's a choice between football and the good of the wider society, it's no contest. Really, it isn't. Today's decision and announcement is being implemented with the motive of keeping people safe. Because of that, we support it completely. We have seen members of teams we compete against become ill. This virus has shown that being involved in football offers no immunity to our rival clubs and individuals who are affected and to those who later will become so. You are in our thoughts and prayers. None of us know in this moment what the final outcome will be. But as a team, we have to have the belief that the authorities make decisions based on sound judgment and morality. Yes, I am the manager of this team and club, and therefore carry a leadership responsibility with regards to our future on the pitch. But I think in the present moment, with so many people around our city, the region, the country, and the world facing anxiety and uncertainty, it would be entirely wrong to speak about anything other than advising people to follow expert advice and to look after themselves and each other. The message from the team to our supporters is only about your well-being. Put your health first, don't take any risk, think about the vulnerable in our society, and act where possible with compassion for them. Please look after yourselves and look after each other. You'll never walk alone. Jurgen. That's Jurgen Klopp, ladies and gents, and that was something 
I think very special. I've actually read that like three times and it makes me feel stronger every time. And also Jurgen Klopp obviously gets our Just Stand Up award for this week. Stand up! We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. I also have to give a big shout out. As long as we're doing uh, Just Stand Up Award, Just Sit Down Awards, I want to give a special Just Stand Up Award to Jeremy Lin, uh, the NBA vet, uh, currently without a team. But Jeremy Lin speaking out against Trump's um, racism against Asian Americans uh, is really important. Uh, Jeremy Lin said that Donald Trump was, quote unquote, empowering racism by calling it the Chinese virus. And it's very, very important that Jeremy Lin is speaking out. It takes a lot of guts. Appreciate him doing it so much. So thank you so much to Jeremy Lin for doing that. Just sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Has to go. I want to give it to the International Olympic Committee for dragging their feet on cancellation of the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. It's absolutely absurd. More and more people are speaking out against it. They deserve Just Stand Up awards. Katie Ledecky, uh, Simone Manuel, the figures in USA Swimming who can't find places to train right now. Uh, one of the people on Japanese's Olympic Committee. By the way, another person on Japanese on, the, on Japan's Olympic Committee has tested positive for coronavirus. It's absolutely absurd that they haven't canceled the Olympic Games. Absolutely absurd. It's going to happen. It needs to happen. It should happen post-haste because every day that they don't, it sends the wrong message about what we need to be doing uh, to fight this pandemic. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Wilson Chandler. Thank you so much to my producer. Thank you so much to everybody out there uh, hanging tough. As long as you're home, you might as well listen to some back episodes of the show on iTunes. We're very proud of the Edge of Sports podcast. If you like the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Uh, For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. Peace.